This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. If you were here last week, I talked about this idea of living on purpose and what it means to actually... um, Be courageous enough to share about the love of Jesus or the work of Jesus in your life and why other people are so dependent on us sharing. And I'm completely mixed up. I was trying, never mind. I was trying to discreetly move this and that didn't work. So, okay. Now it's not discreet. Um, (laughs) Okay. But we talked about the basic purpose of life um, where I called it, why am I here? Uh, what is the purpose of our life, that we can share that love with Jesus. But this week I've subtitled, How Can I Share? Um, And I want to give a couple of basic thoughts on how we can share uh, Christ and the love of Jesus with those around us. And I believe this is important because I don't know if you knew the statistics, but but stats tell us that 95% of Christians have never led another person into a relationship with Jesus. 95%. Um, And can I tell you, it breaks my heart because God has done something so incredible for us in that he has provided us a fresh start, a new chance, a new life, a love that is never ending. And it is his desire, and if you were here last week, also his commission to us to go and share that love with others. But I think there's many things uh, that keep people away from um, sharing about Jesus with others. I think a lot of it has to do with fears and misconceptions about what that actually means and how we should go about it and what we should do. And, you know, you mentioned the word evangelism, and people start hyperventilating. (laughs) You say evangelism, and everyone's like, you're not going to make me do it, right? Um, And some people that are really excited, they hyperventilate because they're like, (laughs) like Scott, he's like, (laughs) evangelism, right? Um, But then other people hyperventilate for other reasons. Um, But either way, I I just want to simplify things a little bit this morning and say sharing your story is so easy when you recognize that you don't have to do it in your own strength. But God wants to show you simply that your story matters. Can I say this? Evangelism is not an event. It's not just for certain types of people. How many of you, seriously, if you're honest, have a stereotype in your head? of what an evangelist is. Thank you for the four honest hands. Okay, more are going up as I speak. Okay, so a lot of people have this stereotype that it's, you know, the soapbox on the corner, and if that's you, bless your heart. Um, But let's just say it's not always the most effective way, and there are other ways. And I'd like to, amen, and I'd like to share that uh, with you today. But I actually think evangelism is not just something that we do. I think it's something that we are. Think about it. Jesus didn't say, go and do evangelism. He simply said, go and be my witnesses. A witness is someone that testifies of something that is true that they have seen. Right? That's all that a witness is. You were there when something happened, and you can witness to that. That's all he asks you to be, is to be his witness. And to tell others, actually, in the Bible, when the, when the apostles started sharing the gospel, they were brought before the legal court of the day, and they told them, you have to stop doing this. And you know their simple answer? Well, f- two things, actually. First, they said, sorry, we have to obey God over you. That's, you know, that kind of rubbed them the wrong way. But then they said something so powerful. They simply said, we cannot help but to share about what God has done 
for us. When you have truly experienced the life transformation in your heart that comes only when you encounter Jesus Christ, you cannot help but share. But I, I believe that there are some things, some, some misconceptions about this word evangelism, about sharing Christ, that I just want um, to diffuse this morning, or delusions. We can call them delusions in our thinking. I believe that, uh, that the enemy will try to com- convince you in your thinking about these three things. First thing is this, that the enemy doesn't want you to share. Because if you believe, if he can convince you in your mind that, you know, there's a big bad enemy out there. And if you share, if you say something, he's going to be after you. And he's going to just destroy you. How many have ever had those thoughts go through your head? Okay. Okay, so you don't have to raise your hand. You can just nod. It's more discreet and you don't have to, you know. But, but the reality is sometimes we're so afraid because the enemy tries to convince us that, you better know that he doesn't want you to share. And, you know, if you share, people will never view you the same. If they only knew what you've done, people are never going to look at you the same again. That's actually thoughts from the enemy, just trying to convince you to not speak. Second thing is this. Your flesh, which is your own earthly desires, your natural inclinations, they don't want you to share because that's where fear sets in. Those are feelings of inadequacy. You just automatically think of someone else who's more eloquent with their words or someone else who's more gifted or someone else who's more knowledgeable or someone else may have a more powerful story in your mind. And so because of those delusions in our thinking, because of those misconceptions in our mind, we convince ourselves that, you know, well, you know, I just shouldn't share because I, I really don't feel like I should. Because we love to compare with other people. And the third thing is this. The world doesn't want you to share. See, the enemy will try to convince you, beyond convince you, that people do not want to hear what you have to say. That what you have to say doesn't matter. Or perhaps that what you have to say is just going to mess them up. But can I say this morning that I believe that there are people out there that are just looking for a solution to their broken lives. And many times, by sharing our story, as uncomfortable as it may be at times, it's not to share our story to just stir things up in people and leave them hopeless. But it's to share our story and share how Jesus, and thank you both Tracy and Lindsay for beautifully describing how Jesus came into your very situation and how he actually could take the very brokenness that you were experiencing in different areas and he could start to change and transform that. Because people need to know. People need to know that there's hope for our broken lives. There is this modern thought that we should not be intrusive, so we shouldn't talk, we shouldn't share. And I agree, we shouldn't be intrusive in in a rude kind of way, but many times the enemy tries to convince us that because we shouldn't be intrusive, we just shouldn't share. But can I say, sharing from the passion and excitement from your heart, to those who want to listen. I'm not talking about, you know, locking someone in a room and saying, you will listen to me. <laughs> but I'm talking about being open to when those moments arise and you interact with people that are people just like you and I that go through stuff. But I've always said this. Jesus never said that we would never go through hardship. Some people portray this gospel that, hey, if you just have Jesus in your heart, everything's going to be perfect. How many have ever heard that thought? Okay, how many have ever seen that that thought didn't work? All right. So Jesus actually didn't say everything's just going to be perfect, but he said, I will be with you. 
And I have a power that is greater than what is coming against you. So greater is he is in you than he is in the world, which means when we walk through life, when we walk through circumstances, there is a power that is greater than ourselves. There is a God who is still on the throne, who has still the ability to change and transform lives. And he said that as you walk through those things, he will be walking right with you. And he will give you the path. He will show you the way to maybe take you out of those difficult circumstances that you may be facing. See, I think so many times we just complicate the gospel so much that we intimidate ourselves from sharing it. So I just want to share from, actually, you already quoted this verse, Tracy, John 3.16. If you know it, if you don't, can you put it up on the screen there, Sarah, and we'll read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know that the entire truth of the gospel is hidden within that verse? So if you have the ability to memorize this verse, you are equipped. And I want to show you how the different basic elements of the gospel are hidden right here. It says, for God so loved the world. The first basic element of the gospel is God. If you start talking about God and who he is, his character, his attributes, that there is a great God, that there's a powerful God who is there to love you, to care about you, to save you out of your circumstance, to change and transform your life, that is the basic of the gospel. But if we don't present who God actually really is, then people don't have a need for him. That's the first step in sharing the gospel is to just talk about God. And who he is. The second uh, part of the gospel is man or mankind. It says here that God, the great, awesome, amazing God, so loved the world. That's you and I. That's me. That's you. That's our story. He saw us right where we were at. He knew us before we were even born, the Bible declares. And so he loved the world, us, so much. So when we start sharing the basics of the gospel, we just simply present that there is a God out there and he's fully aware of mankind. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our, um, our default modes. And he knows that by default we are separated from him because of sin. See, sometimes we're afraid to acknowledge the messiness of humanity because we don't want to make people feel bad. But can I dare say that when we present how awesome God is, it's okay to also declare how helpless we are without him. Because if we narrow that gap too much and and try to elevate our own abilities and, and minimize who God really is, then that gap is so little, people don't actually need God to step over. But when we truly see that there is a God who is great, who is awesome, yet so personal and loves us so much that he cares about mankind and that he wants to help us in our humanity, that's the basic thought of the gospel, which brings us to his only begotten son, Christ is the center of the gospel message. Without Christ, there is no message because we would be forever separated from God because of his holiness, because of his righteousness and our sinfulness and our depravity. But in his goodness, he sent his son because he loved us to bridge the gap, to make a way, to make it possible, to create a bridge for you and me to step over so that we can be restored into relationship with him because that's what he desired all along. But it only comes through one thing, and it's the fourth foundation of the gospel. It only comes through faith. See, God has provided the answer for humanity. 
but it's for whoever believes in him. It's only by the step of actually having faith in Jesus that through him we can be reconciled back to our original purpose, which is relationship with God. And when we do that, the fifth foundation or pillar, I would say, of the gospel is revealed, and that is that we can have not just a good life, but eternal life. Everlasting life for everyone who believes. That is the good message wrapped up in one sentence. God loved the world so much that he gave his son so that if we have faith in him, we can experience everlasting life. Can I free you from trying to have all the answers? It's okay not to have all the answers. See, some people get so complicated in their mind and intimidate themselves so much that they think they have to be able to explain the book of Revelation. If you have questions about the book of Revelation, go talk to Pastor Ray. She will answer all your questions. Her, her cell phone line is open. You can't, no, just kidding. <laughs> yes, how many? 1-800-CALL-RAY. I think that's the right, in, yeah, anyhow. Try that line. You're welcome. But can I say this? Sometimes we, we think we have to have all these complicated answers, but there it is. There is the gospel. In its simplest form, God provided it for us so that we can simply just share that message. See, I believe that we're not only commissioned to be host witnesses, but the Bible actually declares in Proverbs 11.30 that he who wins souls is wise. There is wisdom in that. And if you actually read Proverbs chapter 11, it talks all about um, people that trust in their riches or people that trust in the Lord. And throughout Proverbs 11, it contrasts these people that put all their time and effort into building their riches on earth. And then it contrasts this with those who seek righteousness, mercy, and justice. And it falls right into at the very tail end of this proverb. It says, he who wins souls is wise. Because I think that what the author is trying to tell us is that earthly investments are not bad. But they fail. They end. They don't satisfy. But winning souls, sharing how Jesus can change someone's life and leading people into a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ is an internal investment because it lasts for eternity. So our job as as pastors and as leaders, according to Ephesians 4.11, is simply to equip the saints. That is you and I. It's to equip us to do the work of the ministry, to learn how to share Jesus. I hope this morning, it's going to get a little bit practical in just a minute, but I hope to just give you a couple of simple tools to help you see that you can share with somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I hope to do today is that I hope that you will actually do something with what you learn. I hope that you will engage your heart and not just your intellect today. Because we can look at principles and go, well, that was nice. But I hope that it stirs something in your heart. And if you want some stirring, maybe go listen to last week's message. uh, Because I believe that God wants to stir a passion to share the gospel with other people. But I want you to hear today that you are important. You are important to, in God's plan, to reach people's heart. 
You matter. Your story matters. And can I suggest to you that uh, the way you share about Jesus doesn't have to be the same way that the person next to you shares about Jesus? If you want to know about different types of evangelism, different styles of evangelism, you come talk to me, guys. I'm not going to go through all that today. But what I want to say today is be comfortable being you. Be the best version of you that you can be, the way God intended you to be. Because God wants to set you free from fear. God wants to set you free from having to compare yourself with everybody else. God just wants you to be the best version, the God version of you that he intended for you to be. Because when you are, you simply just become his witness. You don't have to try to do it. You can just live it. And so I want you to hear that you are important. You are created unique. And some people are more unique than others. I'll just leave that up onto your imagination. Some people are really unique. But but your story matters. Because God carefully, think about this, God carefully made you just the way you are. And he placed you in this place at this time, in this moment in history, because he knew that he needed your story. He knew that he needed you in your workplace. He knew that he needed you in your school. He knew that he needed you with the people that you're going to encounter. It's not a mistake that you are here. And I'm not just talking Impact Church this morning. That's not a mistake either. But I'm talking the fact that you are alive today in this moment in history. Sometimes we look at the world. Have you ever had that thought where I just wish I was back in the, you name it. Have you ever had that thought? You know, which, which one is it, honey? Oh, 80s. Oh, no, we're not going there. We are not starting this, okay? Oh, no. Gary Bench, I hope you're not here because you're, you're going to jump on that bandwagon. Anyhow, you should see Gary and Cameron in total dual mode when they're singing 80s songs to each other. Lionel Richie. Oh, stop it. No, 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 no. I have the mic. I override that. Okay. So, but think about this. God placed you here and now. You were not an oops no matter what your parents may have told you. (laughs) But some people seriously doubt why they're here. God makes no mistakes. Not one. He placed you here in this time for a greater purpose than just living your regular life and going through your day. He chose you, and I believe with all my heart that we are living in the most exciting times in history. The end is closer now than ever. I'm just going to let you know. If you do the math, it's closer than ever before. I can guarantee that. Absolutely guarantee that, and I didn't even go to, you know, science school. But I know it's closer. (laughs) Nor linguistics. (laughs) Okay, anyhow, moving right along. Okay. Wow. Okay, stop it. I'm not going to look at him anymore. He is distracting me greatly. So what, what we can guarantee is that God wants you here. I honestly believe that there are people that have gone before us that are sitting at the edge of their seat, that have passed along, that lived in a moment of time in history, and they're sitting up there in wherever they are, and they are 
just waiting to see what God is going to do through you and through me at this time in history because there's something very significant, I believe with all my heart, that there's a great move of God that is coming, that's already started, that's going to happen because how many know that darkness is out there? But you know what Romans, uh, never mind. It's later. It's somewhere. I can't find my verse. Anyhow, there's a verse that talks about how when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so we can see that, yes, there's darkness around us. We can see that there's hopelessness around us. But the good news is that where there is darkness and where there is sin, God's grace abounds that much more. So I believe that there's a move of God that is happening, that is coming, and God has chosen you and me to be his ambassadors at this time, in this place, in this moment of history, because he wants to pour out his grace. He wants to pour out his love. He wants to spread his light into the world so that people don't fumble around in the darkness, but that they see that there's actually an answer, that there is something that they can grab a hold of. Romans 10, 14 says this, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You are the preacher. Can you say this morning, you're going to feel so uncomfortable. Say, I'm the preacher. preacher. (laughs) I heard a few people that had a question mark after that. (laughs) I'm the preacher. (laughs) Let's say it one more time. I'm the preacher. You know why? Because your story matters. Your life matters. What you have to say can make a difference in someone's life, at your school, at your workplace, in the grocery store, at the bank, wherever you are. You are the preacher because you are important because your story matters. I've said it a few times now. I hope it's sinking in because I want you to know that God chose you to do this. Preaching in the the Greek in that verse actually just means to proclaim in the manner of a herald. With authority and gravity. And it means to proclaim openly something that has been done. You're the preacher. You can declare openly something that has been done in your heart with authority, like a herald saying, Do you want to hear what God has done in my life? And be respectful if people say, No, not interested. That's okay. There's someone else out there that needs to hear your story. But you'd be surprised at how many people are interested in hearing how God can actually still change lives today. See, I believe that people are afraid to share for two kind of broad, big reasons. Number one, they're afraid because they don't know what to say. And the second thing is that they're they're afraid that nothing will happen if they do. So I, I hope to diffuse both those thoughts today. And first of all, this thought that I don't know what to say or how to put it together or what to really present. Have you ever had someone actually ask you about your faith and you're like, well, you know, uh, at a moment in time I was born and, uh, you know, I used to wear diapers. And then, uh, you know, and you, go, you go off. On the, I hope you used to wear diapers, okay? But you go off on these rabbit trails and then you're like, oh, help me, Lord get to where where I need to. So I I hope to actually give you just a very simple tool today to help you see what is actually important in your story and how can you narrow it down to something that makes a difference. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3 verse 11 says this, God has planted eternity in the human heart. 
Or the Amplified Bible says it this. I think it's beautiful. It says it like this. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. See, God was brilliant. When he created mankind, he, he, just, he thought about this one. And he goes, I'm going to create them in my image. I'm going to make them so unique and so different. I'm going to show them all these different, I'm going I'm to make them tall and short and this and that. I'm going to make them in different personalities and different this and different that because he's so creative. But there's one common denominator. He just made this little hole, little void inside every human's heart that will not be satisfied except God filling it. It's brilliant because what what we already know about humanity is that whether people acknowledge it or not, there is a God longing, a void in people's hearts that they are unknowingly and sometimes knowingly searching to fill. So we already know that we can present the answer to that void. But it looks different in different people. See, I believe that people, until they fill that void, they will in some way, shape, or form feel disconnected. Because that void often takes the shape of an inward need, is what I call it, where we have needs and we we have things inside our hearts that we may not want to verbalize, that we maybe can't even verbalize to ourselves. But there are needs that cause us to look in different places. And oftentimes those inward needs lead us to outward sin. And I want you to hear me that we need to have a lot of grace on people that are doing things that are not right, that are not good, because many times they are just trying to satisfy the longing of their inward need, and they don't know how to do it. They don't know where to find the answer. So they start searching in all these different things and trying to fill that void. And sometimes they get desperate and they do some crazy things. But if you come in and just tell someone that they need to change their behavior, they're going to go, yeah, try that. See, the answer is not changing your behavior. The answer is meeting the inward need, and only Jesus Christ can do that. Only some other things can satisfy to a level, but there is something about being reconnected through Jesus, through that bridge, with your creator, that that way that you were intended for. And the purpose of why God put you on earth was to actually reconnect that relationship with him and then help other people reconnect so that their inward need can be satisfied. See, some of the inward needs, this is not an exhaustive list, but here are just a few examples for things that you can think about in your own life and things that you can look for in other people's lives. For example, when people need love, acceptance, or security, you know what they often do? They look for it in all the wrong places. Empty relationships, go from relationship to relationship, try to do things to find security, to find acceptance, to find love. Some people are, are seeking a cure for loneliness. And you know what people often do? They fill their life to the brim with activities and, and things and stuff because they're trying to hide the fact that there's, there's a loneliness inside their heart that they cannot satisfy. Do you know that we're living in a day and age where we are more globally connected than ever before, but people are more isolated than ever? I would say that loneliness is like a disease today. And people are just looking for an answer. 
that you know you already have it. You already have the answer. People, another inward need can be people seeking freedom from bitterness. You know how they often do this? They lash out. Because hurt people hurt people. So many times, it's not that they're trying to be this evil-minded, hurtful person. It's just that they're hurting on the inside and they're bound by bitterness and they don't know how to forgive because they haven't experienced full forgiveness themselves. So don't be quick to judge someone's outward behavior before you hear their story. Hear what they're seeking. Maybe they're seeking relief from guilt. We do this by trying to be good and and do more. Maybe they're seeking purpose, but they're seeking in all these empty places only to spend time and effort and money to seek for something, and then they get disappointed once again. People are seeking freedom from fear. That's an inward need. You know that so many people that try to stay in control is because they don't want to give in to the fear that they're battling on the inside. And they start controlling circumstances or people just so that they don't have to live in fear. Some people seek to numb the pain, whatever may have caused that pain. But oftentimes when you see people that are stuck in addictions or or even entertainment, it can cloak itself in pride because they're trying to numb the pain that they're feeling. That's the inward need, and they are looking for an answer. They're not looking for some Christian to come along and tell them everything that they've done wrong. They're looking for someone to come along and say, hey, I was there. I felt that pain. I was like that. I had no purpose. I felt lonely. I felt empty. But can I tell you what happened in my life? It's as simple as that. I did this little chart for you. Hopefully it'll show you kind of how this plays out. But people have this need, inward need as I call it. That need reveals a void. You can go to the next one. That need reveals a void in their heart. And I believe that's the Ecclesiastes 3.11, that God reveals a void because he placed it there so that there's a longing in every human to reconnect with their creator. But oftentimes that void leads to sin because people don't know how to fill the void. So they look many times in odd places, in wrong places, and it often leads to crazy behavior or sin because they're only looking to meet the need. And fill that void. But you know what happens when we, when we try to fill the void that way? It intensifies the need. It doesn't satisfy the need. It intensifies the need. And because it intensifies the need, we try, we try again to fill that void with more sin, with more behavior, with more Band-Aid solutions so that we don't have to feel the pain. And it leads us right back to the need that reveals the void. And on we go in this catch-22 crazy circle. Can I tell you there's people out there that are just looking for how to get off? Your story does matter. Because maybe, just maybe, you can speak to their need. I wanted to show you um, quickly how you can build a simple and relevant testimony from your own life in three simple parts. And hopefully, I'm going to get really practical, but hopefully this will help you as you try to share your story. And I've taken this from Acts chapter 26. I'm actually not going to read 
um, that whole chapter for you because um, I just want to kind of highlight the main points and explain it to you. But I, I would encourage you to go home and read Acts chapter 26. It's Paul when he's been imprisoned and he is standing before King Agrippa. And, and basically he's been accused of all these different things. And he basically says, he turns to King Agrippa and he says, King Agrippa, can I tell you why I do these things? May I have a moment since I have been condemned, since I've been confused, and people don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, and I I have been accused. May I have a moment? And he has this brilliant discourse in Acts chapter 26 on how Jesus changed his life. But listen to this. Um, The first part of you building your testimony, just like Paul did, and he was very good with words, (laughs) just saying. So we can learn from Jesus and we can learn from the Apostle Paul because he was very smart. And Jesus did the same, just so you know, when when he got right into people, what did he do? He went right after their inward need because he knew already what what it was. And so people were like, what? I I only told you I was thirsty for water, but you you knew the real need. You, You knew that I was lonely and isolated. How did you do that? So Jesus used the same method, just so you know. But um, I want to talk about step number one is before knowing Christ. So before what we would call salvation, which is simply knowing Jesus. Before knowing Christ, this is displayed in, in chapter, sorry, verse 4 to 11 in chapter 26 of the book of Acts. And Paul basically starts explaining that he was deeply committed to his Jewish faith. And that he needed to be justified in his faith by doing all the right things. He needed to feel accepted. And so he actually starts talking about how he followed the law to a T, how he was passionate about the law, and how he was passionate about doing the right thing. Because he needed to do that to feel justified. Paul had an inward need. And it took the shape of works. But then, because that need wasn't met, he went crazy. And he started killing everybody that was opposed to him. In fact, he actually got letters from from the Jewish leaders that gave him permission to go and imprison, beat, and kill those who were in the faith, in the way, as they called it. But he did this out of zeal at the time, not realizing it was wrong. But it actually took the shape of sin where he was killing people because he had an inward need that was not satisfied yet. So his very passion drove him to something that was crazy. See, outward behavior or sin... It's usually just driven by that inward need. So in your life, it may sound something like this. Before I knew Christ, I was looking for acceptance, so I kept seeking it in relationships that were unhealthy and broken. And they shattered my heart and my hopes of ever truly being loved. That's a very simple way to just share with someone how you had an inward need. Your story may be different. That's just an example. Actually, if you listened really closely, all these elements are very present in Tracy's testimony this morning because the interns had to do this. <laughs> just saying, in 300 words or less. Just saying. And last year's interns had to do this too. And people were very unhappy with the 300 words or less. Just saying. Um, anyhow. But the second point of a testimony is simply this. At the point of accepting Christ. At some point in your journey, if you are a believer, you had a moment where Jesus came into your heart. See, Paul describes this in verse 12 to 11, where he basically said he had to come to a place where he realized that he, the acceptance and the justification he was looking for, he couldn't find in anything other than Christ. So Christ actually had to knock him off his high horse because he was full of pride. 
And in that moment, he had to humble himself and say, I was wrong. I thought I was doing the right thing, but I was wrong. And in that moment, Christ came in to this man who had been so hardened, so angry, and so harsh, and he just melted his heart. And he said, Paul, actually at the time, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, he wasn't too far. Jesus met him right where he was at and said, I know your need. And if you look at what he actually says in that portion of his testimony as he's standing before King Agrippa and before the Jews, he is basically saying how God took this hardened heart and he made him realize and recognize that the one that he had been seeking and, and working against all along now had enough love to not only meet him, but forgive him. Paul, if anyone needed forgiveness for what he had done. And in one moment, his life was transformed. One moment. Because his inward need was met. It may sound like this. You know, one day, after seeking in all these relationships, I met a Christian who, who just loved me for who I was, and, and they weren't expecting anything in return. And they told me that there's a God who unconditionally loves me that I don't have to, to do anything to earn that love. And I accepted and prayed and accepted Jesus into my heart. And now I have a love that is so real, so tangible, so freeing. It's that simple. No book of Revelation in there. It's that simple. Leads us to the third thing. After getting to know Christ, or after salvation... Paul, in verse 19 to 23, beautifully talks about how his life was changed with the help of God. And because of the help and the transformation of Christ in his heart, God also gave him the strength to do a 180 and to, instead of persecuting Christians, become one of the primary tools in his day to start spreading the same message of love and of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around him. It may sound like this in our lives. You know, I no longer seek acceptance in human relationships because God has filled the void in my heart and showed me that his love for me is so much greater than any love I ever knew. He placed me in a church family with people who love me, not for what I can do for them, but for just being me. And now I can love those around me from a place of security and compassion as I want them to experience what I've experienced. That's it. If I wrap this up in three simple things in your story, share your life without Jesus, share how he met you, and share how your life has changed because of it. That's it. If Jesus is in your heart, you can do that. If you have experienced the love of Jesus, you have a story, and it can be that simple. It doesn't have to look like this. You can share your story in any which way you want. This is just a simple tool for you to perhaps help narrow down how God actually has changed your life. But we can't do this alone. We need each other. And I want to end with this one simple thing. Um, can I have 12 volunteers come up here quickly? Can be anyone? Come on. Just come on up. You guys are awesome. I'm going to have like 24. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. You guys are great. I love, I love this church, okay? But remember I said the first thing is that many times we don't know what to say. And secondly, we're afraid of results. How many, if you, just nod your head, you don't have to put your hand up. How many have ever been afraid to share because what if nothing happens? 
Okay, some, yeah, some nods. Okay. So there is something, there's a, a man who did this study. His name is Dr. Engel. And he did this study that's now become known as the Engel's Scale of Conversion or Evangelism. What you mean? And he basically described in its simplicity um, that there is... <laughs> Sandy, you are zero. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so uh, in no way, shape, or form did I premeditate who was going to stand where. I'm just saying it has no significance or bearing on their lives. Okay. Um, but, what, but what I... You guys are doing so awesome. We need a picture of this. Somebody... Um, Okay, so look at these beautiful people here. Okay, so what he simply wanted to show everyone was that in everyone's life, there's a journey. And at every stage of your journey, you're at a different point. And so for some people, if you are, sorry, Meg, she's a complete atheist. Uh, She is a minus eight. She is far from God. Okay, you need to look angry. Okay? (laughs) You're unhappy, okay? You're (laughs) unhappy. It's okay. Atheists can be quite happy. Stop being so stereotypical, everybody. Okay. No, so, so they can be very happy, apparently. Okay. But, but the reality is when, when you are really far from God, there's a, there's a, you're close to even the thought or the idea of God. But, you know, then there's M. She's like, well, maybe, maybe there is a God out there. I don't, I don't really know. If, I mean, there's lots of religions. I'm sure they're all good. They probably all lead the same way, right? So there's an openness to God. And then Carla is like, yeah, you know, maybe one, maybe, yeah, may, maybe one day I would be open to talking about God, maybe. And Stuart, yeah, agnostics get in here somewhere where it's like, oh, there's some kind of acknowledgement. And then we have Stuart who's like, you know what? I don't like doing life on my own. Maybe there's a higher power out there. I, I, maybe I need to be open to something. And so Sarah's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe there's something about having religion in your life. Maybe we need some kind of faith. Maybe there's something to that. And then as we move down the line, I hope you're getting the point. There's an openness. And Margaret, thank you. You're open. More open than these guys. So Margaret's quite open. And so she can talk to you after, okay? She, she'll present the gospel to you after, okay? At a negative three, yes, exactly. So... So, so all I'm trying to show you guys is that little by little, there's a, an increased openness to the gospel. And so Kathleen is going, hey, you know, that, that message about, about God, I, I think I need it. And as we move on, there's an acknowledgement that, you know, maybe I actually, maybe that Jesus dude was more than just a dude. Maybe he wasn't just a, a wise man. Maybe there's something actually to it and this is the only time in life being a zero is awesome because (laughs) because when when we get to this point that's simply a a neutral point of saying okay I need Jesus Uh, my philosophy my longings my they didn't work out and I need him in my life and this is the point of actually accepting Jesus into your heart and saying yes she's whispering to me yes 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 uh, so this is the point where someone says okay I I'm accepting Jesus into my heart now but can I tell you it doesn't stop there sometimes the gospel has been presented as if all we need to do is to get someone here but do you know there's a whole other awesome life that God wants to reveal to us so after we accept Jesus into our hearts we want to get woo saved woo, baptized and woo we want to share our testimony right so <laughs> 
totally spontaneous. She was going along. That was awesome. Uh, okay. And then there is Ryan. Now he's, woo! He's like totally getting into this. And he's like, hey, you want to talk about the Bible? I want to read the Bible. How fitting. And I want to learn more about God. And then there's the crazies that are like, woo! I want to be all in. I don't want to just be a Christian. I want to be everything that God called me to be. And so I'm going to go after it. I'm going to be hungry. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop growing. And you can make this an unending scale if you so wanted to. Because life with God never stops. But can I just, and I did this this morning just to show us simply, do you know what your part is? The Bible says, can you put up that verse actually, Sarah? It says this. Uh, Paul actually addressed this very thing. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Do you know that when you share your story, you may be jumping into someone right here who has an openness, agnostic, but you know, hey, openness. And in your story that day, work with me, you're going to walk with me. In my conversation with her, I may have only moved her to this level. But then along comes Ray, and Ray is very eloquent with her words. So she's going to move her to plus three. No, um, but... but, (laughs) But Ray, in sharing her testimony... As a discourse of the book of Revelation, she absolutely convinces Carla that she needs to be a plus three or, you know. But she's going to take Carla and move her along. And because she had a very effective conversation, she's now a minus three. Stop. (laughs) And then Josiah, who actually loves sharing his faith. For real. He's like, hey, Carla, since you're open, can, can I share with you? Something that has happened in my life. And And all of a sudden, Carla is like, awesome, you can sit down. Okay, Scott, I need you. Along comes Scott, and man, he's like, hey, walk with me for a moment. (laughs) That was awesome. Flip it over. She's a nine. (laughs) There you go. And just put your finger over there and then it's plus. Awesome. But all this to show you guys that sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to be the one taking each person in one conversation from minus eight to a point of conversion. And then we're going to be the ones to bring them to a full close. But can I say this is why we're the church. The church needs each other. I need you and you need me and we're a happy family. I love you. No, no, not going to go there. Okay. But the reality is this. What I simply want to show you this morning is that your story matters. You matter. We need each other. We need the church. That's why the church is the most beautiful thing that God ever created because he created each one of us to be unique, just like the puzzle piece that you're about to get. I want you to take this little thing, keep it in your Bible, throw it out if you want to, but I wanted to remind you 
that you are created unique with a special pattern, with a special purpose. Only you can fill a certain space. Only you can help make this picture absolutely complete. There is a part in this story, this beautiful story of revealing the heart of God to mankind that only you can play as you are important. And you need to stop taking the pressure off yourself that you have to accomplish everything often within one conversation and realize that just like Paul said, that there is different aspects, but God is the one who brings the growth. But if you're open to share your story, as frightening as it may be, you may very well help someone move from a minus five to a minus four in their openness to hear about Jesus. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.